Elevates trusting all is well, well is all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Elevated Frequencies Reading Segment. I'm your host, Sherry, also known as Shy Shy, also known as Nile Iris. Um, if you are new to the um, Elevated Frequencies Reading, please go back. We have, this is part two of the three-part um, Akata series by Medi Okafor. So we are currently on part two, reading Akata Warrior. We are on chapter 27 and 28 for this week. Um, So I highly encourage you to go back if you are new. But I do want to thank you for coming. I thank you for, you know, taking this as an opportunity to wind down and recenter your thoughts, recenter yourself. Uh, Life can get us so caught up and we forget the essential benefit of taking a, ba- a pause just for a moment. So yes, we are reading Akata Warrior by Nettie Okafor. Again, we are on chapters 27 and 28 this week. Uh, for the listeners that's been with me uh, last week, as we know, just to give a quick recap, um, the Gresh Kota was created. Um, he definitely has a personality of his own. Um, they dealt with some difficulty getting back, uh, which I'm going to be honest. If you're dealing with a newborn, you got to think of it like that. Stubborn, they're going to try you. Um, so there was a couple of things that this grass cutter was doing, causing some troubles. Um, but now I guess they're really just trying to get it down to business because um, they need, they do need grass cutter to get them to where they need to go, uh, the burning city, so that they can accomplish their mission, whether it has to do with Ekwensu or, or something else, but there's definitely something to be completed here. So let's go ahead and get into this. All right. Chapter 27, Quick Choices. Sunny breathed a great sigh of relief. For one thing, no council car appeared. This meant that Grashkota's indiscretions hadn't been severe enough to warrant punishment. Secondly, Ed Bale's car wasn't there. Her brother and Ed Bale were out. They hadn't seen Chupu and Ed Bale since the two had left to party on New Year's Eve. But what of the house help? What day was it? The stress settled on her shoulders again. What would happen if Lamb saw the grass cutter? really saw him, for more than a millisecond. Once inside, at Bale's compound, they stood there, waiting. Then the dust in the large parking lot puffed up as Grashkota softly landed. Would you have to go and do all that for? Sasha shouted at him. People could have killed, died. More grass-cutter laughter. Please. Orlu softly said, stepping in front of Sunny. Have some rest, Grashkota. You've just come into being. I know you're tired. Sunny heard the grass cutter grunt. Take a nap, Orlu said. No one will harm you here. You are safe and it's nice. 
A soft wind picked up, and the dust wafted up on the side of the compound close to the house. Greskota purred softly. Sunny could see the weeds growing there flattened as the grass cutter settled down. When he made no more sound, the four of them congregated quietly in the doorway. Grasshoppers turn invisible when they sleep, Orlu said. It's a protective mechanism. They sleep for about five, six hours after birth, so at least we'll have until nightfall. I think we should get out of here by then. Otherwise, someone's going to see him. He can't resist the temptation to scare humans. He's smart enough to keep it short. But sooner or later, he'll slip and we'll all end up in the Obi Library basement and he'll be plant food. Sunny knocked on the door. If days had passed, the house girl who lived in the servant house might be inside cleaning the house or cooking a meal. When no one answered, they all sat on the staircase in front of the house. Sunny brought out her phone. Without bothering to read all the messages, she called Chupu. It rang once before he answered. Chuku, Sunny said. Hi, I... Sunny! Sunny! She held the phone away from her ear. His shout was so loud. Yes, it's me. Where are you? Are you all right? Where have you been? I... Are you all right? I'm fine, she said. We are at the house. Oh, thank God. Thank God, oh. I thought ritual killers had taken you. I thought you were dead. I thought... I told you, we have nothing to do with any of that. What the hell are you involved in then? Eh? He snapped. You disappeared for two days. Is this even you? Yes, Sonny shouted. I don't believe you, he said, but he sounded calmer. Why should I? Sonny's eyebrows went up. Two days? That was bad, but not too bad. She slapped her forehead. Why hadn't she thought to check her cell phone's date? Days of being so close to Chi-Chi, Ordu, and Sasha were rubbing off on her. She was losing her reliance on technology by the second. Did you call mom and dad? He paused for several moments. No, he finally said. Sonny's leg wobbled with relief as she leaned against the door. Thank goodness, she whispered. I wasn't sure her brother said. I should have, but I'm glad you didn't. I'm fine. We we did what we needed to do, but Chukwu, there's more. We have to stay here longer. What? How long? School starts in a few days. I have to go. Then, then go. I can... No. I go home when you do. Where have you been? I can't say. Then where are you going? I can't say that either. There was a long pause. I'll be there in five minutes. I'm with Edbeo. Since you all disappeared, we've been searching for you all over. He was silent again for a moment. He was not telling her something. But she didn't ask. Okay, she said. See you soon. She clicked in and turned to the others. He's on his way. As long as they don't try to park the car on that side of the compound, Olu said, pointing to where Grashkota was sleeping, we should be fine. Edbeo wouldn't stop giving Sunny strange looks. Sunny's brother had hugged her tightly 
and she even thought she saw tears in his eyes. I'm okay, she told him. Really? Chuku only grumbled something and pushed past her to scoop Chi-Chi in his arms. Chi-Chi giggled as he hugged her, and Sasha looked ready to burst. I gave the house girls a few more days off, Edbeo said, unlocking the door. Your brother? He owes me. We've been eating trash for two days. After taking long showers, Chi-Chi and Sunny cooked up a meal of Kagang soup and fried plantain. They all ate and then watched a Nollywood movie on the widescreen TV. Then the sun was going down. Ed Bale was engulfed in video games on the huge TV, and he put on bulky headphones to experience maximum sound. Chichi and Chuku sat on the couch too close to each other, chatting quietly. At some point, Sasha had left the room. Orlu took Sunny aside. We need to leave tonight, he said. Sunny rubbed her forehead and sighed. This is all moving too fast. I can barely catch my breath. Orlu nodded, patting her on the shoulder. Maybe we can convince the grass cutter to take us when it's dark. Sunny said. Orlu nodded. But what if he refuses? And what if he makes too much noise? What if my brother comes out to see what is going on? What if... Orlu, I can't go in that basement again, she said. She shivered, suddenly feeling tears come to her eyes. She hardened herself thinking of the damage that had happened there. I won't. Don't worry, he said, taking her hand. While Chichi kept Chuku preoccupied with her batting eyes and idle conversation, and Edbeo played his game, Sunny and Olu went to the kitchen and packed some of the food into their backpacks. They filled plastic containers with frozen jollof rice and goat meat they found in the front of the fridge, and Sunny fried more plantain. They also found packets of biscuits and bottles of water in the cabinet. Her brother and Ed Bale had cleared out most every other cooked item in the fridge. That should be enough for a day or two, Sunny said. Hopefully, it won't take a longer than that. Sugar cream says time is different in OCC. You know how days passed when we were in Udai's cave for an hour? It's the opposite in OCC. If we can get there quickly, we won't have to worry about it so much. When the timeless wilderness mixes with our world, time dilutes. I guess. Can you hold that? He asked as she tested out her full backpack on her back. It's heavy, but she hoisted it up higher. I think I'll be okay. Remember, if this goes right, you'll be hanging on to fur, hundreds of feet in the air, and holding that backpack. I can do it, Sunny insisted. Orlu laughed and shrugged. <laughs> okay. They both looked out the window. It was dark outside. Time to go. In the living room, Sunny saw Sasha walk past Chichi and Chuku on the couch. He gave them a dirty look and came straight to the kitchen. Chichi turned to watch him pass. The ends of Sasha's cornrowed braids were undone. His shirt was rumpled, and he weaved slightly as he walked. And the grin on his face was enormous and almost scary. He was carrying his MP3 player and earbuds in his shaking hands. 
Go outside, Sasha mouthed to Sunny and Orlu. He didn't want Chupu to hear. Sunny nodded, and Orlu pretended to look somewhere else. There isn't much to eat, Orlu said, his voice too loud. Just need a drink, Sasha said, grabbing one of the smaller bottles of water. He took a big gulp as Sunny and Olu watched him. Are you okay? Sunny quietly asked. Come with me outside, Sasha said in a low voice. Grushkata was outside. What had he done? She hadn't heard any crashes or crunches. Had he eaten the trees? Was he visible? When Sasha left the kitchen, they both quickly followed. We'll be right back, Sunny said to Chi-Chi, looking her full in the eye. Okay, she said, returning Sunny's look. Everything okay, Chupu said. I don't think so, Sunny said over her shoulder. Edbeo cursed loudly, and they all jumped and looked at him. But Edbeo didn't notice. He couldn't even hear them with his headphones. His eyes were locked on a military game he was playing with several people online. The guy was in another world. Sunny rolled her eyes and followed Sasha to the front door. Outside, Grashkota stood in the spot where he'd slept, in full view. His head peeked over the concrete wall that surrounded the compound. His haunches were tense. His lovely eyes were wide. His strange brown-white fur was puffed up, and his nostrils were flared. If a giant rodent could smile, this one was smiling. Sasha walked right up to the grass cutter and put a hand on his fur. The grass cutter nudged him with his head, and Sasha laughed. He just flew me high over Legos, Sasha said. He... <laughs> He and I have something very important in common. He fiddled with his MP3 player, and it began to play Nas's album, Hip Hop is Dead, out loud. The grass cutter's eyes grew wider, and his fur tensed. And then he started doing something that caused both Sunny and Olu's mouths to fall open. Grass cutter was dancing, swaying side to side, rippling his fur and undulating his body in a sort of wave-like motion all to the beat of the music. He's a hip-hop head, Sasha proclaimed. I came out here and put in my earbuds and was listening to my music. And next thing you know, he's breathing over my shoulder. I put the earbuds to his ear and he just came alive. <laughs> you should have seen it. It was like seeing a baby hearing music for the first time. I played jazz, blues, some metal, country. He liked them all, but nothing got him moving like hip-hop. Grashkota did a slow turn as he made his fur ripple like tiny waves on water. It was almost hypnotic. So, I figured he was digging my music and in a good mood and all. So, I asked him what we needed to ask him. Sunny held her breath. You... You asked if... Yeah. I told him we needed to not only get there, but we needed a dang ride. He's cool with it. He took me up to show me how it would be. Better than any roller coaster. Woo! Was awesome! Sunny needed to sit down, and she sat right there on the ground. Grashkota bobbed his head to the beat, resembling anyone enjoying the beats of Nas. 
What am I seeing? Sunny whispered. This is, this is so weird. <coughs> the girlish sounding screech came from the doorway right behind her. Don't, she heard Chi Chi shout. Just listen to me. When Sunny turned around, she saw her brother's bulky form walking toward the open doorway, dragging Chi-Chi along as she tried to pull him back inside. He wouldn't listen, she shouted. He wanted to see and he wouldn't listen. What the hell is that? Chupu screeched. What is that? The grass cutter roared with shock and disappeared, but Chupu had gotten a nice five second view of him. What was that? Chupu screamed it again. His eyes were red and wide, sweat beating on his face. It's still here. I can smell it. It smells like incense. What was that? They all stood there in silence. Then Sasha said, We have to leave. Right now, Olu added. What was that? Chupu shouted again. Soon, curious neighbors would look out their, their windows or come out their doors. Greshkota! Sasha shouted. Reappear! A few seconds passed and nothing happened. Please, Sasha insisted. He's seen you. It's too late. All we can do is go. But we can't go unless we can see you. More seconds passed and then slowly, gradually, the grass cutter showed himself. Chimik! Chupu shouted. He grabbed Sunny and tried to shove her behind him. What is that? Sonny fought him, trying to get in front of him, but he was too strong. It's not going to hurt you, she said, trying to move past him. He shoved her back. It's a monster! It's a spirit! Mumio, this is witchcraft! Spit flew from his mouth as he spoke, and his red eyes were glistening with shock. The bottle of water in her backpack and the containers of food sloshed and shifted as she tried to push past him. Get on, Sasha said. The council will be here any minute now. He climbed onto the beast's back. Chi-Chi hesitated for a moment. Don't worry, Sasha said. His fur is really, really strong. I don't even think it's completely fur. You can yank it and he doesn't feel it. Come on. Chi-Chi grabbed the grass cutter's fur and climbed up. Ordu looked at Chupu. We, I'll keep her safe. We have to go. Or worse things will happen, trust me. You've seen what you shouldn't, and will suffer the consequences, not you. I'm not letting my sister on that thing. Where are you even going? What is that thing? It's a... It's a grass cutter, Olu said. He looked as if he were trying to say more, but he could not. Grass cutters are the size of cats. That's huge. His eyes bulged and twitch as he held on to Sunny. I know, Olu said. Shit! Chuku screeched. Look at the head! Please, we have to go. I'm not... I'm coming with, he said, still grasping Sunny's arm and walking toward the grass cutter. Olu stepped in front of him. You can't! You don't understand where we're going. I... I don't know if you'll even survive. I'm not letting my sister go somewhere like that without me. 
Of all people, Oulu said, she will be fine. Chuku looked at Sunny, sweat pouring down his face. She pleaded to him with her eyes. She turned back to Olu. If, if you can tell me where you are going, then I will stay. When Olu could not, Chuku let go of Sunny and pushed forward, about to grasp Grush Kutta's fur. Lightning fast, Sunny made a decision and she felt Anyanwu come, settling just below her flesh. Sunny felt strong and aligned. She grabbed her juju knife and worked as fast as she could. She caught the juju bag in her shaking hand. She could hear a vehicle pull up to the compound gate outside. The council had arrived. She threw Ujo at Chupu. She hated to do it, but it was better than seeing him harmed. A lamb would surely go mad or die in Osisi, or worse. The terror that bloomed on her brother's face made her want to weep. Hadn't he been through enough in the last few weeks? His wounds from his beating weren't even fully healed. The patch of healing skin from where he they'd cut his face twitched as he backed away from Sunny. I'll be fine, she said, tears falling from her eyes. Remember that. Tell Mom and Dad that I'm fine and I'll be back. But her brother wasn't seeing her. She didn't know what he was seeing, but whatever it was must have been horrifying, for he opened his mouth and howled loudly, turned, and ran wildly into the house. She just stood there. Then she felt someone grab the collar of her shirt. Sunny, come on, Chi-Chi said, leaning almost upside down to grab Sunny. But Sunny couldn't get her feet to move. All she could see was her brother's face. How it had broken into terror, and how he'd run off like a madman. Had her Ujo been too strong? Had she just driven her own brother insane? Suddenly, her vision blossomed, and she felt herself pulling physically backward. Then it was like she was a passenger in her own body, watching herself climb into go- onto Grashkota. As soon as she was on, and Yanwu mentally shoved her forward, and Sunny grasped looking wildly around. Sasha was seated at Grashkota's neck, Chichi clasping Sasha's waist and both staring at her with open mouths. She felt Orlu's arm grab her tightly as they took off. Instinctively, Sunny grasped handfuls of the creature's hair, her mind still trying to hold too many things at once. Grashkota's body was hard, it reminded her of the thick hide of a pig or an elephant, but its strong hairs were soft to the touch. When the grass cutter flew into the air, Sunny felt no exhilaration. As they zoomed high over the house, away from the council car that was sitting at the gate as the council police pushed the gate open, Sunny cried and cried. All she could see in her mind was the look of terror on her brother's face. It was a look that she said he was that said he was seeing a monster. I am a monster, she thought. Yes, it was Juju. But he was her older brother, trying to protect her from danger. And make no mistake, she was heading to a very dangerous place. 
and she'd force him to flee like a terrified child. If that wasn't something only a monster would do, she didn't know what it was. End chapter 27. Chapter 28. The Yam Farm. They were on the run. There was no getting out of this without being arrested. They could not return home without facing harsh punishment, no matter what they discovered in OCC. For the first half hour, Sonny could think of nothing but this fact and the look on her brother's face. Then maybe it was the feel of the wind blowing in her face, or maybe it was the smooth motion of Gresh Kota's flight, or maybe it was the sound of Orlu's rare delighted laughter. Whatever it was, it caused the veil of sadness and doom to lift from her shoulders. And as soon as she, too, was in awe of the whole experience. Greskota flew high in the sky, where it was cool and silent. His body was remarkably warm, so none of them was uncomfortable. And he flew so smoothly. It was not like an airplane slicing through the air. It was as if his very present caused the air to part and give way. There was no loud wind, though they flew fast. They were heading northeast. Gereskota communicated in his own way that he instinctively knew the way to Osisi. According to Ordu, who was best at understanding the beast, Gereskota could smell the way. They were invisible to the world around them. When Gereskota made himself invisible, they also disappeared as long as they held on to his hairs. Sonny could even feel it, a warm sensation that traveled up from his body. At first, Sonny welcomed this visual nothingness. She was just wind passing through the air, similar to when she glided. Once they were out of the city, they all agreed that it was okay for Grashkota to make himself visible. The night was dark, and they were over mostly trees and small, unlit villages. Sunny looked at her cell phone. It said, no service available. Grashkota was quiet as they flew. Sunny wondered if he was worried about what the council would do when they caught him. In Nigeria, Intelligent beasts who broke protocol by showing themselves to lambs would face execution. Even if we make it to Osisi without getting caught, I don't know what I'm looking for, Sunny said. Well, at least you arrived there in the same way that you arrived in your dream, Olu said. By air. Maybe you'll remember the rest of the dream when we get to that same point. If we do... Sunny said. Hip-hop music began to play. Sasha was holding his mp3 player near Greshkota's ear. Greshkota purred, gleefully flying in a wave-like motion. <laughs> Good, Sasha said. That's more like it. Cheer up. He turned to Sunny and Orlu, Chichi holding onto his waist. All of you, cheer up. We're going to a full place. How many of our peers will be able to say that, huh? And we're doing it while on their run from the law. 
This is stuff that books are made of, man. Live in the moment. Don't know about y'all, but I'm going to make the most of this. I want to see this Osisi place. Me too, Chichi said. The council won't be able to find us there, anyway. Not even the best tracking juju can find anyone in a place that is blended with the wilderness. Worst they can do is catch us when we try to go home. Sunny frowned. This didn't make her feel that much better. One thing at a time, Orlu grunted. Correct, my man, Sasha said. One thing at a time. He turned his music all the way up. They decided to stop at a small rural village after flying for hours. The sun was coming up and it was beautiful. Sunny couldn't help thinking about the last time she'd been out at dawn. When she'd been released from the Obi library basement, she shivered, thinking yet again, I can't go back there. She couldn't use the GPS on her phone. That rarely worked even during normal times. At the moment, the time on her cell wasn't even working. Maybe it was something about the grass cutter, or maybe it was where they were. Whatever the cause, she was left to guess their location. They'd been traveling northeast from Lagos. Maybe they were in Ando State or even Kogi State. Greshkota was flying so fast and without the sense of wind, they could have traveled much farther than she thought. Whatever the case, the village below was quiet. Kasawa and Yam farms stretching beyond the small cluster of houses. They were invisible as they landed beside a large pond. Shh, Olu said as they looked around. Anyone see anyone? Yeah, Sasha whispered. In that Yam farm. They all looked. About a half mile from the pond, past lush blooming farmland, an old man with a machete was bending over and inspecting the vines and tubers of his farm. Aside from this man, the place was quiet. The pond looked clean and peaceful. Several of the farm plants growing right at its edge to sip the water. It was the kind of place that women used to wash clothes or bathe. This village was lucky to have such a healthy pond. He probably won't even notice us, Sunny said. Maybe, Olu said. Uh-uh, come on, Chichi said. She appeared as she let go of the grass cutter's fur and began to climb down. I would die if I don't get off this thing for a bit. Once on the ground, she stretched her back and looked around. The others followed suit, though Grushkota stayed invisible. When Sunny got to the ground, her thigh muscles cramped up. Ah, she said, stumbling. Riding a gr flying grass cutter is a good exercise, huh? Sasha laughed. Chichi laughed. I'm going to be sore for the rest of my life, Sunny said, gritting her teeth as she pounded on her thighs to loosen the lean muscles. I feel like I've been playing 10 hours of soccer. I need to eat two bananas at least. Grishkota. There are plenty of plants, Olu said. I see wild grass, weeds, and things. Don't eat the man's crops, please. Grishkota grunted in a way that sounded sullen to Sunny. They sat in a dry patch of dirt near the pond and ate a nice breakfast of plantain, 
bread, and groundnuts. It was communal eating, and they were all so hungry that no one cared about the dirt. The best they could do was wash their hands in the, p- the pond before eating. When they finished, Sunny walked to the pond. She dipped her hands in its clear water, marveling at the tiny brown fish darting away. One came back to eat the dollop of egusi soup that had washed off Sunny's hand. She strolled along the edge of the pond in the opposite direction of the farmer, watching the tall grasses closely for snakes. She'd never imagined she'd ever be in a place like this, at this moment, for this reason. She looked out at the still waters. The pond was so calm and so big. We should get out of here. She thought, otherwise someone would have see, would see them. There were bound to be people using it this early morning. She brought out her phone. The battery was charged all the way up, but still no service. She considered reading the text messages from her brother and parents that had been sent when she was in Yudai's cave. She shook her head. No, I'm keeping all that out of my mind until I finish this. She was putting the phone in her pocket when she noticed the red snake inches from her feet. No, she thought, her body filling with adrenaline. That's not a snake. As soon as this registered, the tentacle wrapped tightly around her ankle and pulled. She fell back, dropping her phone as she banged her elbow onto a rock. A second, bigger tentacle wrapped itself firmly around her waist and squeezed. Before she knew it, She was underwater, not a pond, a lake, one that wasn't normally there. The old farmer hadn't looked beyond his precious yarns. They must have been in Igbo land. Only an Igbo farmer would be so focused on his yams that he didn't notice that an entire lake had arrived with the morning sun, sitting a half mile away. All this spun around in Sunny's frantic mind as she fought with the water, the tentacle, and for air. As she ran out of air, she felt her spirit face pulled from her, just like that, as if they were being whipped about in a tornado and could no longer hold on to each other. And Yanwu, she screamed in her mind, no response. Pain burst in her chest as she was pulled deeper. Bubbles escaped her lips. The light retreated from the surface. Water entered her mouth, her eyes, her ears. Something yanked her by the ankle, then by the neck, pulling her backward. (laughs) She landed in living grass, flopping onto her back like a fish out of water. She opened her mouth wide. She had a mouth, but she still felt herself fading. And then she felt and Yanwu jumped into her. She breathed. Death had not found her yet. Where? She quickly sat up, her body aching. She touched her face. Instead of flesh, she felt wood, her spirit face. But her voice was not the low voice of Yanwu. She heard a flute play a haunted tune, and she moaned. 
Ekwensu spoke with the low voice of an earthquake, gravelly like tumbling stone. It made all the hairs on Sunny's arms stand up, for she'd somehow carried her body into the wilderness. When crocodiles walk on water, the ripples are obvious, Ekwensu rumbled. I am deep in the water, so you cannot see my open mouth. Meet death, my close friend and ally, Ekwensu said. It is good that I've brought you fully here. He would like to acquaint himself with all of you. He appeared behind Sunny. She could smell him, like decaying carrion. She could feel him, cool and damp. She could sense him, for his presence absorbed all the sound around him. It was as if a black hole stood behind her. Face me, child, he said in the voice of her father. I've been waiting to meet you properly. The wilderness is not a place I normally come to, for there is no life here. But you are a special occasion. Face me. Why? she asked. She didn't dare turn around. What do you want? You make me feel powerless. <laughs> you die and return, and your body is still alive. You come and go, come and go. You are unbound, but you still live. Why does your body not die here after so many seconds? Who are you? Have to get out of here, she thought. I don't know, she said, gritting her teeth. Turn around, Death commanded. Don't turn around, and Yanu said in her mind. Sunny took several deep breaths. She hummed as she excelled. It won't be painful, he said soothingly, sounding like her father. She missed him so much. Turn around, both of you. She shut her eyes, touching her wooden face and picturing the ocean, vast and full. Just beneath the water, schools of fish and larger beasts swam, the water protecting them from the sun's harsher rays. The waves rippled, never still, never at rest because the water was life. Sunny would break the surface and Anyanwu would cause more waves, more ripples, because she was alive. Surface, she whispered. Death was at her back, but she had to focus her mind to a needle, sharp point, just as Sugar Cream had taught her. Never had she brought her physical body to the wilderness. Who would purposely do that? Even when she glided, Sugar Cream said that the essence that was her physical body became light and invisible and stayed in the physical world. Now the lake beast had pulled her completely through, or maybe Ekwensu had used the creature to do it. Nevertheless, the process of getting her body out had to be the same as coming here as spirit. She called her name in her mind, Anyanwu Sunny Noazu. She grasped her shoulders, giving herself a hug, and she glowed a strong, sunny yellow. She took a deep breath, one last one. Then slowly, she turned to death. Just before she faced death, she shut her eyes. 
And just as she did, she kicked herself back as if she were in water. She heard the angry growl of death as her body shot away. Her momentum slowed and she felt herself falling to the ground. Oh no, she thought. Then she plunged into water. She flailed, shocked by its wetness and weight. Her body was glowing like the sun, piercing the aqueous darkness. She turned and came face to face with the surprised eye of the lake beast. She looked right into it, then she grinned. Her body was still glowing a yellow white, blinding the great water beast. She kicked with both her legs, swam at the lake beast eye, and buried her fist into it. She felt something burst, and the lake beast roared and began to thrash in pain. It spun, slapping around with its tentacles. Then it twisted, pulling all parts of its body into a huge tight ball, and then shot off into the depths. Sunny flailed in the water, still glowing, though the glow was fading. She felt pressure in her chest. She needed air. She swam to the surface until her head broke it. She threw her mouth open and inhaled deeply. <gasps> then she sputtered. The closest bank was at least 40 meters away. Sunny, she heard Orlu shout. Sasha leaped wildly into the water. Sunny had always been a strong swimmer, but she was tired and overwhelmed. So she did what she always did when she got tired in the water. She floated on her back. She looked at the morning sky, so clear, so alive. She blinked and coughed a tired laugh. There was Grashkota, hovering in the treetops near the lake. Are you okay? Sasha asked when he reached her. Yeah. He was swimming with one of the large, empty water bottles in his hands. Keeping the bottle between them, he linked his arms through hers from behind and began to swim with her backward toward the bank. I took some lifeguard lessons two years ago, he said as he swam. Just relax your body. I'm not tired at all, so I can carry you. Sonny was glad to do so, and in no time, he had her out of the water. Ordu helped her to dry land. What happened? He asked. Sunny was about to speak, but then she noticed the old farmer standing beside Chichi. She looked at Orlu. That lake beast knew you were coming, the farmer said in Igbo. Seen it here before, but now I know what it was waiting for. Sunny's mouth blew open. He helped us fight it on land, Olu said. Oga, Udechukwu is a third leveler. We'd be dead if he, we, if he weren't. Only then did Sunny notice the tentacles lying in the cassava garden beside the water. There were three of them, thicker than fire hoses and frozen solid, white mist rising from them. It pulled me into the wilderness. It was trying to kill me, you guys, at the time. You guys at the same time? Was there more than one? The lake beast has three brains, the farmer said. I studied it. It's cousin, the river beast, 
and several of their other kin extensively when I was a youth. Fascinating beasts, but they have a habit of aligning themselves with negative or evil people or forces. I knew that Lake Beast was up to something. I can't wait to tell my wife. She was sure that it was just passing through. The old man took them to his small hut of a home and introduced them to his wife, who gave them each cups of hot tea since they'd already eaten. She also took Sunny's clothes and dried them using a combination of the sun and a hot iron. No use in using juju when nature has a better method, she said. She gave Sunny a long, colorful kaftan to wear in the meantime. The farmer and his wife were leopard people who decided when they were young that after years as Igbo, as, as Obi library students, they wanted to live like their forefathers and foremothers. There is more knowledge to be gained from reading Earth's books than any book in the library, his wife said. She was a real thin old woman with strong arms and crinkly gray hair. Chi-Chi sniffed and shook her head. Sasha kicked her to shut up. We're on our way to Osisi, Olu said. Do you know of it? Osisi, he turned to his wife. You see, look at how they dress. They must be from Lagos. All the way out here, I was from the border. Where else would they be going? His wife sucked his teeth. Kids today are always trying to make their lives so complicated, she muttered, getting up and collecting their empty cups. Cell phones, gadgets, silly juju, and always running to Osisi. The farmer turned back to them. Why? he asked. Why do you want to go to that dreadful place? We have to find something there, Olu said. It's not for enjoyment or anything like that. We've never been, Sonny added. We just... You shouldn't go, the farmer said. It's not a place for human beings. I don't care if it's food. Why can't you four just live a simple, wholesome life? Study your books, then find husbands and wives, have children. Stay out of trouble. Be positive forces to the world. Oga, Sunny said. This journey is important. Did you see our flashing grass cutter? We even went to your diet too. Grass cutter? The farmer said, jumping up. You bought a grass cutter here. He ran out of the hut, looking around, his skinny knees knocking together. Where is it? My farmland! My farmland! It'll be the end of me. I know what those things do. Some stupid kids flew one here ten years ago, trying to get to OCC the fast way. They couldn't control it and ate everything. We told it not to eat anything, sir. Oh, those things never listen, the old man said. You all have to go. No, no, no. Pickle. He gently but firmly ushered them all out. When his wife found out about the grass cutter, she too went into a panic and brought Sonny's clothes all folded and fresh. Take the kaftan. It's yours. Just get your beast and go. Please. Grashkota, Orlu called. Grashkota flew down, landing in the same place he landed before, beside the pond that became a lake. They all climbed on, 
Sorry, Sunny said. But if it helps, you see that he did not destroy your garden. The farmer nodded. For the moment, grasscutters are known liars and equally known for their trickiness. Trust me when I say that you can trust a flying grasscutter as far as you can throw it. Be careful. Grasscutter humped, offended. And please consider our advice about living a simple life, his wife added. We will, Sonny said. Will you be okay with that? She asked, pointing a thumb at the Blake. Oh, sure, the farmer said. It'll move on now that it's done what it came to do. And since you punched it in the face, the wife added. They all laughed. They flew off, leaving the farmlands as they climbed into the sky. Sonny looked back at the farm just in time to notice the sleek black BMW pulling up to the hut on the narrow dirt road. Even out in the middle of nowhere, the council had found them. They'd escaped completely by chance. We just have to make it to Osisi, Olu said. If that farmer was right, we won't have to make more stops. The grass cutter grunted with relief and Orlu patted him on his side. Don't worry, we won't let them harm you. We forgot to ask them where we were, Sonny said minutes later. Does it really matter? Sasha asked. As far as I'm concerned, that was very much the middle of nowhere. For hours, they all were quiet as Grashkota flew on. Sonny didn't know what the others thought about as they stared into the clouds ahead, behind, or to the side. But she was glad for the silence. A chill had fallen over her flesh, a headache at her temples, and in her ears she heard a high-pitched screaming. And in the back of her mind, like the powerful afterimage left if, no, if one happened to see lightning strike, she saw the image of death. She hadn't looked right at him, but she'd seen him with her peripheral vision as she pushed back. And she was still seeing it, a blaring whiteness that could swallow anything if you faced it. She'd been so close. She shut her eyes, stifling a sob that came from deep within. Ekwensu had been there. Death had been there. And she was falling apart. And if I had looked at death, what makes me sunny would have died. And I'd just be Anyanwu. Which means I wouldn't really be. She felt Anyanwu hiss protest at her thought, and Sunny sat up straighter. But it took hours for the image of death to fade. And even when it did, it didn't fade completely. Sunny didn't think it ever would. End chapter 28. So there you guys have it. Chapters 27 and 28. Ooh. Have to say, they were juicy. They were both. They were both juicy. Like down with Chuku being so like curious. It's like for me, if I was Chuku, Sonny's brother, I would really just like try to do my best to mind my business. Um, like especially because I would try to make it 
my goal is to understand, to not be curious, because I want to respect the fact that she has said, I can't talk about it. I can't tell you as bad as I want to. I can't. I would have done what I can to control myself, to not pressure that. Because he's stressing himself out. And that's what made him see grass cutter, the grass cutter and then lose his mind. I just felt bad because I don't know how effective the juju was that Sonny did put on him. And if the 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 thing is now, is her brother going to be afraid of her? Because, like, he was looking at her like, what the fuck are you? Da, 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 da. So, like, is he no longer seeing his sister and he's seeing something that's just totally crazy? I don't know. That's from chapter 27. And in chapter 28, they pretty much on the run now because of what that whole shit grass cutter did and Chupu seeing them. Oh, man. Like, Chupu messed it up for his sister and he don't even know it. Like, and that's the part that sucks. It's like he could have avoided that and protected her by just minding his business, like, and really just respecting what she was saying. Like, I'm not in no, like, evil nothing. I'm I'm actually just trying to save us, like, in myself. But, you know, it couldn't be explained, and it's like, this is where he could have used his discernment. You know what I mean? Like, he could have took a moment and sat with God and said, yo, I don't know what my sister's doing, but God, just give me peace to know she's okay. You know? Um, but yeah, now that they on on the run, they made it to some small town or whatever that had a pond that they thought was a pond, but all in all behold, it was the river beast waiting for Sunny. The river beast was used by Equensu though, and then the death the uh the fear the uh spirit of death was there too. Like they are really going for Sunny because Sunny is she's elite, man. She's a question mark to them. They were wondering, like, why aren't you dead yet? Like, and Yanwu is a part of you, but you and yourself has an ability and a calling over your life that makes me question you, and I need to identify that. And Death is just trying to snatch that soul up. But yeah, she fights back each and every time, and it seems like they're always being aligned and, and bought across a path with someone who can relate and fight with them, or, you know, what have you. So, like, that... that you know, it couldn't have been an Igbo guy. They could have went to any type, anybody's farm, you know, but they went to that farm. It's just being guided and led, being obedient. Um, so, yes, it's just powerful. I, I love this book. Um, next week, we will be reading chapters 29 and 30. Um, but I just want to let you guys know as well that next week I will be on vacation as well. So the daily post won't be being posted, but this will still be posted because I'm going to actually proactively read these two chapters this week within the same week um, that we read 27 and 28, but I'm not going to post them until next Wednesday. So tomorrow you'll get 27 and 28. Next week will be 29 and 30. And we are almost done, y'all. Like I said, I think it's like 36 chapters in here. So we're almost done with this part two. And then the last one is... Uh, part three, Akata Woman. So, yeah. I hope you guys are continuing to enjoy. You know, and as always, until next time, stay true, stay you. And wind it down, my love. And slow it down, my love. Don't overwhelm yourself. It's gonna get done. 